Alright, fuck it, let's do this, what's up? Aiden Taco Jones here, you are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for today, Tuesday, what? The the 11th of December, is that the date today? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Talking about that 11th of December, it is, oh my god, it's a beautiful day. I'm sitting on my porch, Uh, I just had breakfast, just had tea, just had a lovely breakfast, fucking green beans and broccolini fried salt and pepper had some crushed pineapple on the side uh and i had a a bacon egg uh avocado sandwich with cheese and sweet chili sauce (laughs) it's this like the podcast equivalent of some someone's mum's instagram feed (laughs) i just let me i just want to show you my bloody breakfast i just had a nice one What's what's the problem Damn, it was good, sitting out here in the sun, um, I, uh, I, oh man, I, people need to fucking just spell my goddamn name right, is that a fucking, is that a real whiny thing to have a bitch about, my name is Aiden, A-I-D-A-N, and I think, I've only realised recently that it actually does annoy me when people spell it wrong, because I was introducing myself to people as Taco for 10 years, and um and going on stage as that and I never had that problem and people you know but uh, this is this is the fucking okay maybe this is why it annoys me is that when I was taco people had a go at me like some people were like what are you taco just use your real name and so I start using my real name and those fucking same people are the people who can't fucking spell it right even though it's literally on the on my email or on Facebook in front of them or whatever it is and they still just don't even fucking read it and they just spell it A N. It's really annoying. Why is that so annoying? It's, I think it's just because every it's the same question every time or it's the same thing every time. They go, Alright, yeah, like they don't ask or they don't I mean, why would they ask? They can they know that they can read it read on a on a Facebook thing. They just put it on a poster and it's wrong. And it's wrong it's easily wrong more often then it's right, you know, and, uh, I've only recently, in the last, like, six months, started being, like, all right, I'm gonna make a point of correcting people when it's wrong, and not being, like, hey, fuck you, right, because I'm not gonna get mad, here's the thing, is I'm not gonna get mad at one person for doing it, because, at the end of the day, it's just my name, it's a simple mistake, anyone could make it, but because anyone can make it, everyone does make it, and so I'm the person who's left fucking... Literally, like, two or three times a week going, oh, actually, it's, it's A-I-D-A-N, sorry, yeah, 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 no, I, yeah, I didn't really, I, I'm, I'm really trying to not be confrontational, I'm just, what I'm trying to do, I explain it to everyone every time as well, I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to be a little more assertive in my life, and, and, uh, you know, admit to myself and to other people that it, it does kind of irritate me a little bit when people spell my name wrong, but no, 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 it's not you, it's never you. But it's not me. I know how to spell my fucking name. So whose fault is it? Oh. <laughs> Every time. And if the person who just spelled my name wrong now listens to this, they'll know it was them that set me off on this. But it wasn't them. It, you know, like, it happens all the time. It's That's the thing. I just I have no one to get angry at. And it, what it ends up being is people who I don't like, that's who I want to get angry at. So if I correct you on the spelling of my name... If I'm nice about it, it means I like you. And if, it, like, the level of annoyance that I display is indicative of my level of, of like, how much I like you, you know? I almost, 
almost got my lips around that sentence, didn't I? Um, yeah, just spell my fucking name right. I, I, I feel like I make an effort to spell other people's names right and, and pronounce them right as well. Because I fucking know how much it annoys me. And I know it's not that you spell my name wrong that annoys me. It's that I have to correct you, that you're not going to correct yourself. And when I correct you, I have to do it in a nice way. Anyway, I'm not as annoyed as that just came out then, to be honest. I'm in a really nice mood. Um, let me fucking send my little shit up here. Um, I just moved back into the shade. Oh, the weather is just fucking gorgeous. Um, our next door neighbours have put a bunch of tinsel up into their driveway. So there's just a festive spirit in the whole area, in the whole double block of flats. Tis the season, something, something, ma ma na ma na, pa cha cha cha. I'm excited in December to um to just slowly ease off of my responsibilities until by like by the time it gets to Christmas, I've basically been on holidays for like two weeks. You know, what's it? The eleventh? Oh, it's literally two weeks from Christmas today. Well, fucking a, dude. Fucking shit, hey. Two weeks from Christmas, man. Um, and I just, yeah, like around this time of year is when you really start like foregoing all your responsibilities, isn't it? Like <laughs> just every, every time there's like someone's going for a drink, you're like, oh, I should, be ah, fuck it. It's the, it's the, it's this thing. It's December. <laughs> you just lose fucking a whole month worth of productivity out of the year. <laughs> like that's eight point seven percent productivity for the year. If you're losing that, then you're really doing yourself a bit. Who fucking cares, man? Christmas parties and shit. Go to all the Christmas parties. If you get invited to a Christmas party, even if you don't like the people, go and get that fucking free beer. Go get that pizza. That's what I did on Sunday. I went to a Christmas party. I knew one person, which was my friend who invited me. The rest of the people there barely know them at all. But free booze and free pizza for four hours? You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> you gotta be bloody kidding me. I'm gonna go to that. Is that... <laughs> I've been told off recently a couple times for saying... Uh, and I'm not gonna say the W word. The word is wog. I've been told off a couple times for that. People are like, are we... Do we say that? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know what? Maybe we don't say it. Maybe we don't anymore. Maybe we're not allowed to say WOG. In Australia, for anyone listening in the UK, WOG is uh, historically refers to Greek and Italian immigrants, or really just immigrants from the Mediterranean area. You got Turkish, you got, you got Croatian, you got Serbs. It's more of a mindset than actually kind of one ethnic group, you know? <laughs> where's the line where's the line men <laughs> i don't know where the fucking line is man but i'm a good guy i would never even if i said something racist i'm not a racist anyone see that hannah gatsby speech yet on um what was it the emmys i haven't seen the actual one but there she said she did some speech where she was talking about how good men guys who classify themselves as good men will uh, will move the line of what's acceptable behavior um, to always include themselves as very intelligent. And I think that's what I'm doing here with the racist thing. That's what I used to be like when I, when I first, um, 
when I first came to Melbourne and was thrown into this fucking mire of like, you know, you gotta be like, you gotta come with political correctness in Melbourne. It's like in the arts world, you know, which comedy is uh, reluctantly finds itself in. Um, fucking when I first came here at 21, uh, I remember, uh, a, a, older comedian, like a uh, comedian would have been in his late 20s, and his wife, who was lovely, they were both lovely people, um, and I had a real fucking clash with them, because uh, they didn't know me that well, they'd met me a couple times, and I made some joke to the effect of like, you know, because women are dumb, right, which is a, a lazy, stupid joke to make anyway, to literally say the words, you know, because women are dumb. It's like, it wasn't a funny joke. And then uh, they were like, whoa, whoa, man. No, you don't say that. And I was, <laughs> I doubled down. I was like, no, you know, because like this wasn't on stage. This was around a table at a pub. I was like, no, you know, because like, like women are, they're not dumb, but like men are just better than them, right? Like we're just better. And they weren't just like, oh, whoa, they, like, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever looked at you like, oh, we found the problem, we found the cyst that we need to remove from, <laughs> from society, they looked at me like that, and I had no idea that in that situation, you just stop and fucking say, I'm sorry, I was joking, I didn't mean whatever, um, yeah, I doubled down, <laughs> It's interesting though, because like um, uh, uh, Daniel Kitson makes a point of going like, if you if you make that joke and you and you back off and apologize, what it really looks like more than you just having made a mistake, it looks like you actually have the view that you just put out there, and you've realized that the present company isn't the company to express that view in. So you go, oh, and you step back. The way to prove that you're not that is to go so hard into it that it's completely ridiculous. Like, yeah, no, you know, I think all, all women should be burned alive in pits, right? Don't we all believe that, guys? That we if, that if there's a woman in the room, we should shoot them in the face? I mean, that's uncomfortable, but I don't know. I've never been in a situation where someone said the wrong thing and then apologized to me because no one's apologizing to me. I don't know what that would look like. It'd be like... If someone's if someone comes out and goes, oh, you know, because women suck, and then you go, whoa, and they go like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that they suck. Is there ever a part of you that thinks like, does that person actually believe that whatever awful thing it is they just said is true, but they just realise that we they can't say it around us? I don't know. I guess to believe that, you have to believe that there are people out there who actually who genuinely believe awful things rather than just being misinformed, you know? What am I fucking talking about? I really... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Let's talk about the week. Let's talk about the fucking week. I went and saw... Um, I went and saw uh, the Escher exhibit at the NGV on... When was that? Tuesday? Wednesday. Fuck, it was good. Um, man, that guy... That... Uh, oh, God, fucking... I completely forgot his first name now. That's had such an impact on me, um, Escher, he was a Dutch guy, um, he was the guy who painted that Impossible Steps, you know the stairs, it's like a, 
it's like a square staircase that kind of loops back around itself and it's always going down but it connects back up right you guys know the one and all those kind of optical illusions you know or like the um like the waterfall that falls back into itself and then the the water flows down a stream and like it's up the top you know it's like all this optical illusion pictures and whatever um but the the exhibit at the national gallery of victoria was like a retrospective for his whole life and um it was so cool to see like the the guy basically worked in he did sketches and stuff but his main medium was um lino cuts and like wood cuts so cutting into literally cutting into a piece of wood or linoleum or um oh what was the other one uh lithogram so like a special kind of stone um and you so lino cuts and wood cuts where you cut into the piece of wood and then you put the ink or whatever over the top of it stamp it onto a piece of paper or some sort of medium and then it comes off and the cuts don't stamp the ink onto the paper but a lithogram evidently i didn't know this actually let me should i look it up no i'm confident i'm confident and if i get it wrong well fucking you guys look it up and if you didn't look it up then you didn't care anyway all right (laughs) getting aggressive a lithogram is um they use some sort of special stone or like a slate or something and um you draw with this special oil onto the stone and then the oil doesn't that's right the oil doesn't dissolve with water so the oil and water this oil that you use on water never they can't mix so um then when you wet the surface and uh put paint on the surface the paint goes towards the moisture but not the oil i think that's it so then when you stamp it the places where you drew with the oil are blank and the places that you you um, put the water on that's where the ink goes onto the medium um so it's all first cool thing it's all reverse so um like because obviously when you stamp it it reverses so oh mc escher mc i can't remember his first two names but that's what it is because he used to sign everything mce and that was so fucking sick, man. He had this little, uh, it was like a stylized kind of square signature thing, MCE, that he used for his whole life, and it would stamp backwards on all of his prints. Um, but it started from his first one he made when he was 17, and he was working in that medium. I think that he made one just before he died when he was like 72. So he was working in, in this one medium for over 50 years, and, at the st- and it went chronologically through his life. And so at the start of the exhibition... You see him uh, just kind of figuring it out, you know, and he's clearly got some artistic talent. He uh, he did a couple of his dad, of his dad's face and profile. And uh, he's using like pretty basic techniques and all of the little kind of uh, like plates next to the artworks show, um, like explain the techniques that he was using and uh, and just like a little bit of biographical information. And then as you go longer, like through his 20s, he really starts experimenting with all different styles and ways of using the medium and um, just like different ways of experimenting with like how you cut the wood and fucking all whatever or like different layers, you know, having like a few different wood stamps and then stamping them onto the same bit of paper so you could get really complex patterns and designs um, being like and getting like really fine lines in there as well. So he did some of like dogs or like a few animals so you could see every like every little bit of hair um and it made me think about me with comedy and about how like like it was 
it was only about 25 years into his career that he started moving towards the style that he's known for, which is all of these kind of experimental patterns and designs and, and using the repetition. Um, he had some, uh, some theory about tessellation, um, where you could basically turn one shape into another shape by like tessellating them together. And I don't fucking remember all that shit, but um, the style that he's known for and all those illusions and stuff, he didn't even get into that until he was like 25 years in, until he completely mastered the craft then he started talking, or then talking about. Then he started doing things that were that were recognizably his own, you know. Um, and the other stuff before was great, but it wasn't his. And I just, I, I just thought about that with comedy, man, because it's like I'm, I'm six years into comedy. I should be experimenting with everything the way that this guy was like, and that doesn't even necessarily mean, um, like he, he just picked one thing. He picked these prints that he was doing and he just went all in on that and his whole life his whole life was that it's really fucking beautiful when you think about it like 50 years his whole life was just dedicated to this one way of expressing himself and he experimented within that so like even if fuck i don't know man i mean comedy is so broad like, is stories my thing? I don't know. Or, like, I mean, you don't even need to pick a thing. But whatever it is, it's like, just keep going. Just keep doing your thing, man. Just keep doing the thing that makes you happy. That's the thing that you want to do. And uh, and keep doing it in new, different ways. And, and, and always keep yourself on your toes and try and experiment in ways that excite you. And eventually, you'll fucking, you'll find something that um, that is uniquely your own. That's what I, uh, That's what that exhibit told me. Also, there was a cool fucking house that w- it was like the shape of a house, and then the roof were as you walked through it, like the roof like went open and it turned into a house, but like next to you, that was pretty fucking sick as well, eh? <laughs> it was like houses, but like di- like like imagine a house, but it's like next to it, it was like also a house, but you're not in a house anymore. Yeah, <laughs> fucking art. <laughs> I heard some. I spent four hours in that gallery, um, and uh, I heard some lady. Uh, there was like we were like two hours in, and uh, I heard some lady just go. Uh, no, uh, I heard some lady go like, "Is this? Is this it? Is that it? Twenty five bucks for this, man?" And it's just like. Are you fucking serious, cunt? This is a world-famous artist exhibition and, like, interpreted in a new way by some Japanese fucking design studio to fill up, like, ten rooms full of stuff and information about his life and it's a story and it's interactive and it's it's immersive and it's everything and you're like, oh, 25 bucks, I could have got a fucking burger and chips from from the fucking pub for this shit. 25 bucks, I worked for an hour behind, go fuck yourself, oh my god, I don't normally like, uh, like art exhibitions and galleries and shit, it's not that I don't like them or I think they're bad, but they just exhaust me, you know, they're tiring to go through and like, just give that much attention to a thing, but even I, I love that Escher exhibition, I fucking loved it, could not recommend enough. I got free tickets as well, which is nice. 
But um, even if you're paying for shit, man, go, honestly, go get it. It was fantastic. Um, how far through am I now? I really, oh, that's all right. Um, Saturday was nice. I should just call this the Saturday recap podcast, shouldn't I? Because everything interesting to, that happens to me is normally on a Saturday. That's just what I'd find myself talking about. I don't know if that's a product of Saturday being the best day or of me having a short memory for things earlier in the week. In it, like, I'm very lucky that I remembered all that stuff about Wednesday because that is a rare occurrence. Um, Saturday was great. I did, man, my fucking open mic at the Baden-Powell, uh, in Collingwood, not a lot of people there, but we really had a, a fucking cool time of it, like, there's this kid, Rao Marisapali, who's a comic, uh, and I'm not gonna say he's a great comic, cause he's not, he's real new, and, uh, and he stinks, um, but, He's a lovely boy. He's got a good heart, and uh, and and he gigs a lot, and he's clearly trying, which is that's that's really half the battle, I reckon, is just fucking having a love for it and going out there and trying. And uh, so my open mic, I go on, I do a bit of material, whatever, um, and he uh, he was first on, and he was just bombing with his jokes, and he started talking about how. He, his, his parents, he's like 19, I think, and his parents kicked him out of home because his dad doesn't like him, but his mum is out of town, but his mum said when she's back, he can come back and live there, but at the moment, he's living in a backpacker's hostel, and, um, and he, and he doesn't earn enough, he only earns like 200 and something bucks a fortnight from, from, from Centrelink because he's, living at home, so he only gets a, a limited allowance, but actually he's paying full rent at this fucking hostel, and, uh, he just, he, he was saying it with a non-confident, incredulous air of someone who still just really wants to be liked, um, but it was, it's a crazy story, and, like, I didn't know that about this guy, you know, and, uh, and I really, and that was, like, I really, me and, and fucking Andrew Portelli, who is a great comic who was there, um, we just started asking him, we were like yelling out questions to him, there were only about seven or eight people in the room, and so we just started yelling out questions to him about stuff that we wanted to know more about, and he kind of opened up and told us a bit more of his story, and it was great, and he was naturally funny in some moments, because he was just talking, and uh, so the next acts that went on, we just started doing that, because there weren't enough people there for us to try our jokes, it wasn't that kind of thing, so um, when we started yelling stuff out, and like basically just pushing people to be more honest rather than trying to go for the the laugh that they'd written um i know it was really fucking cool man i wanted to call it on I, I felt like it should have been called honesty club you know just go on stage in front of some people and try and say some honest things or, or be prompted into saying honest shit um yeah it was really great that sounds like the lamest thing ever though to be honest i don't know i kind of want to do it again i kind of want to do it I kind of want the, want the Saturday open mic to be that rather than being fucking, you know, a place where you try new jokes. Because that's not, it, I mean, it is useful, but I think more useful once a week would be a place where people just grill you and <laughs> tell you to shut up and stop lying. That was fun. Like, and it was funny. We were like ripping on the acts as well. And if people tried to lie, we were just like, no, no, that's not true. You're a fucking liar. Stop lying. Stop it. 
Um, that was it was real fun. I just I feel like that could be a point of difference for the room. I feel like that could be interesting, right? And if people come along, and uh, and the person on stage is forced to be honest, that could be really fun. I call it honesty club. Ugh. It's annoying with that room though because I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving in fucking mid January, and I'm not going to be back until fucking mid March, really. Um, so I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna have the time to fucking set it up and make it into a thing. <sighs> um, after that, I uh, oh yeah, me oh this was interesting actually. Maybe I'll fucking do a bit of yeah. Let me do a bit of music and then I'll talk about this thing that I was upset and a little baby about. Um, I just discovered a song by a band called Number One Dads. <laughs> Called Camberwell. <laughs> Number one dance. <laughs> Why does that shit make me laugh so much? It's just because of Blake's fucking stupid joke about dads. Um, <laughs> just the, the, the fact that someone else... Camberwell's a suburb in Melbourne. That's the name of the song. But the fact that someone else who's like clearly in Melbourne finds the... Just the idea of... Just the concept of dads. There's something funny about the concept of dads. <laughs> They've called their band number one dads. I love it. I couldn't love it more. Um, it's the guy from Big Scary. Wait up. I wrote his name down here. Tom Ian Sec. Which sounds like a fake name. Sounds like a very fake name, um, but Big Scary are the band that, uh, I don't know if you guys know the song, The Opposite of Us, oh, good song, um, this dude started a band, his new project called Number One Dads because he wanted to do stuff that was a little bit more acoustic rather than electronic is what I read on Wikipedia, so I'm taking it as gospel. Oh, that last sip of tea was cold, yuck, yuck. <laughs> the other day I poured myself a tea there was a tiny little bit of milk in the bottom of the cup and that was enough for me to just abandon the whole I was like nope a little bit cloudy not for me I'm such a little baby with my tea man um, I'm looking for a new tea anyone got any tea recommendations I'm almost finished with my uh, I want to get one of those fucking cast like is it cast iron I want to get one of those nice teapots and get loose leaf tea, maybe that'd be like a good investment for, because I definitely drink more tea than I do coffee, like I'll have one coffee a day, I'm good, but tea man, that's like, I could drink tea all fucking day, that'd be a nice little travel investment, a little cast iron tea thing, uh, I couldn't take that overseas though, could I, I'd probably buy one at the start of summer, take it all round fucking thing oh, and then, oh, Oh, you couldn't even take it through the metal detectors. Fuck. Ugh. If anyone knows of a plastic <laughs> tea, uh, you can probably get plastic ones. Whatever. Just um, I want I want some nice like Chinese tea, Lapsang Chong or like silver tea or whatever. But some shit that I've never heard of. I want to get into tea. You know. I've been on this English breakfast for too long. I'm gonna treat myself. Um. Well, yeah, this song Camberwell by Number One Dads. It's uh. 
it was just the song that was last playing on my uh, Spotify, and I hadn't picked a song for this week yet. So, uh, I, and the number one dads, I was like, ah, that's very funny. Let's listen to this song. Played it from halfway through, and it was all right. Good kind of vibey, uh, the same nice guitar chord progression, and just like really washed out lyrics but it doesn't it sounds like it doesn't really mean anything to be honest i guess they're just describe he's just describing camberwell he's describing like the shops and and the place where he lives and whatever um but then at the end oh at the end just oh there's a sax solo man and it's a beautiful sax solo and it really sets the whole thing. It put it throws the rest of the song. I'm going to sound like Pitchfork here. It throws the rest of the song into perspective. And it just something clicks with that sax solo. It's only like 8 bars or 12 bars at the end. Um, but it adds that little bit of extra melody. And then the rest of the song, when you listen to it again the chords are like seen in the context of oh and there's this sax solo coming that makes it all kind of make sense a little bit you know before that it just seems kind of repetitive and washed out and um and dead and then the sax solo is like a beautiful ray (laughs) of sunlight coming through your window and shining onto your Gatorade bottle with a bit of hose stuck through the end that you smoke weed out of on Sunday afternoons. (laughs) Who am I and what am I doing? Um, It's a great song, man. Fucking listen to the song. Um, I'll probably throw that sax solo on the end of this recording. I want to try and do that. Chuck a little bit of something, something on the end of all of these um, recordings. Just a little Easter egg. So, yeah, I'll, talk, I'll finish about this. I'll talk about this. Um, so, on Saturday night, uh, Blake and I did sets at my friend Caitlin. Um, she's, uh, she's an artist. <coughs> and um, she did an exhibition. Um in uh in brunswick just on victoria street behind this like uh vietnamese restaurant it's real cool the place um evidently her friend just like owns and runs this vietnamese restaurant they've got a nice little backyard area it's like a converted house basically so the the back area is um they've got a bit of a stage there nice little setup and uh and caitlin had an exhibition there with another girl um and it was called True Romance. So they put a bunch of stuff up. And Caitlin asked me if I wanted to perform comedy there and get another mate to come and do it. So I obviously picked Blake. And uh, we went down. I invited a few mates as well. I invited um, the the girls who work at the cafe nearby um, who live in the area. They all came. We did the show. show was all right. I've, I, at the end of the night, I felt like I went first. I did like 17 minutes. I kind of emceed the room a little bit or just like had to fucking, you know, get the energy up and then introduce Blake and Blake went on and killed for like 20 minutes. And um, I was pretty happy with it. Not super happy. At the time, I was like, oh, I wish I had done, I, I wish I'd done like one more story, you know, like another four or five minutes um, because I felt like I kind of had them towards the end of my set. But I was just drawing blanks for what to do. So I, um, <clears throat> I just brought Blake up. And uh, I went into the cafe yesterday and saw uh, my friend Amuna who was there. And she was like, yeah, 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 it was good, rah, rah, rah. Um, and then she just threw some innocuous comment of like, yeah, your friend Blake really, um, really showed you up on Saturday, huh? 
and I, I, I just went into defensive mode. I was like, oh, no, but, like, you have to understand that, like, I went first, and it's like, so, you know, I was going into a cold audience, and it's harder, and then, like, Blake went after, but, like, it was more of a, we worked kind of together to make the show, like, as a team, and, you know, rather than just being like, yeah. <laughs> and then I went over to the window, and I sat down, and I started doing some writing, and she came up behind me and, like, bumped my elbow while I was writing and was like, hey... And I'm like, I, it really annoyed me. It got to, she bumped my elbow and I was like, fuck, don't fucking do that. Fuck off. Don't fucking do that. Like I snapped at her and she was like, oh, I'm just, I'm outside. If you want to come outside and hang out. Um, and I was like, no, I'm, no, I'm going to stay here. And then, uh, I kind of stared at the window for five minutes, packed my shit up and, and left, went for a walk. And, uh, I just had to think about that, man. Cause it was like, why am I like, it's crazy that I was in that bad of a mood that I snapped, first of all. And second of all, it's crazy that the reason for that is because of all she said was just like, oh, Blake really showed you up on Saturday, right? Because I shouldn't be comparing myself to Blake or anyone. It's not about how anyone else did on the show. It's about how I did and how I was happy with my performance. And that, me being annoyed at that, said to me that I wasn't happy with my performance, but I tried to ignore it and kind of, you know, brush it to the side and go like, no, I was happy, man. It was fine. Um, but actually I wasn't because I didn't fucking prepare enough beforehand. So I didn't have in my mind the bits that I was going to be able to do. Um, and I didn't pick the right bits to do for the room. And I just, I don't know. It just wasn't good. I, I was like shook when I got up there. I was fine. I still got laughs and whatever. It wasn't a bomb, but like, I just, I didn't give a good account of myself, you know? Um, and, uh, and so when, and, and because I was in denial about that, when she said to me that Blake was, be that Blake did better than me, rather than going, yeah, he did, I didn't do very well, he definitely had a better set, I started trying to make excuses, and that really fucking didn't sit right with me, I was like, that's a fucking embarrassing thing to have done, you know, um, it just took me a second to, like, walk away Go, like, go for a walk, I messaged her, like, I went for a walk, and, like, five minutes into my walk, I messaged her, and was like, hey, sorry for snapping at you, but I just realized that I wasn't as happy with my set on Saturday as I thought I was, and I just took it out on you, so sorry about that, um, but then I just went for, like, a longer walk, and really tried to, like, think my way through it, you know, because it just, comparing yourself with people, ugh, it's so gross, man, like, it's such a bummer, um, it's like so hard to not do when there's people around you and your friends and you know you, you you're friends with someone so you want to be at the say so you assume that you're like operating at a similar level professionally to them if you're friends with them and you work in the same area but it's crazy to try and fucking do that because everyone's taken their different part like I had a chat with um this dude last night Matty B who is a comic uh who I saw years ago he's from Newcastle I think he's based in Sydney now and he was talking about, I haven't seen him in like three or four years. So he sat down and had a nice chat and uh, he's doing good. He's like working, making a full living out of Sydney, not traveling. Um, and it kind of blew me away because I was like, man, that's a completely different way of, of making a living in this industry to what I'm doing. Like my path, the only way that I can see to make a living was from when I went to Edinburgh in 2017 saw the way to make money in that festival and then went right if I can do it in that one I can do it in the other festivals as well and um 
and uh, and so I kind of made that decision. All right, I'm gonna try and go around to a bunch of different festivals, make my money there, and travel around. What like you know, during that time. So that's what kind of led to me trying to get paid work in Europe and then doing this stuff in Asia and blah 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 blah. But Matty B's method and his kind of path has been grind it out in Sydney, do all of the clubs in Sydney, do be a good club comic, not worry about festivals and uh, and try and get as much club work as possible. And from that, he's found like a, a, a few different kind of circuits that are a little bit secret. You know, it's not just like you, like as a comic, when you start, like if you arrived in Sydney, there's like a Facebook group with all the gigs. Um, but this guy, Matty B has kind of, had people approach him in the six years that he's been doing it there who have seen him come up and seen him get into being like a, a stronger, more professional act. These people come up to him and go, oh man, there's a bunch of gigs that you can do in rural New South Wales that we don't advertise to the rest of comedy. So don't tell anyone how to contact us, but these are the gigs that you can do and we'd be fucking happy for you to come and work for us now. And he's like on these few circuits, like, what am I trying to say? Talking to him... And uh, hearing about how he's doing it and, and and kind of telling him how I'm doing it made me go, like, we're two guys who started around the same time. Maybe he's been going for a little bit longer than me. But it'd be crazy for me to try and compare myself to him. And for me to go on a lineup, like, obviously, I want to do the best on a lineup on any given night. But other than that, like, there's there's nothing else I can do, you know? And I'm not going to sit around and compare myself to him or, or fucking compare myself to Blake on a show like that or whatever. Because if, if I was happy with my performance on that, I wouldn't have been annoyed if she had said that she'd like Blake better. Because that's, yeah, fine. Like, like but you're allowed to like someone else's stuff better than me because I, that's just like, <laughs> you're allowed to do that, you know? There's like not a winner or a loser. I don't know. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? But she was basically giving a subjective opinion on the evening to me but the fact that I wasn't happy with my performance for myself meant that I was insecure by her comment and so I took it personally rather than if I had been content with my own performance her then going I really liked Blake's set wouldn't have offended wouldn't have hurt me as much because I would have had nothing to be heard about within myself you know so if you're getting upset when you're compared to other people it's because you're not happy with yourself and you're a fucking loser, little bitch, be better, that's it, that's the podcast, thanks for listening guys, this has been Aiden Taco Jones, you've been listening to Sitting Under a Tree, peace. Oh!